When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey parents, Tim Wright here, along with Dr. Michael Gurian, another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. And we are brought to you, as always, by our good friends up in the Seattle area, Dr. Greg Jantz in the Center of Place of Hope, a top 10 facility for depression treatment and providing inspired health care for restoring balance to the body, mind, and spirit. You can learn more about them at wonderofparenting.com. Along with uh, our good friend, Dr. Marion Hill, uh, Man Cave, Men All Need to Be Caring, Actively Engaged, Vested, and Encouraged, a program designed to engage fathers with an intentional focus on family outcomes and child development. Wonderparenting.com for all the information about both of them, and they are doing some great work, and we're glad to have them as our sponsors. So, Michael, uh, welcome. How is How are things up in Spokane? Thanks, Tim. Uh, yeah, they're good. Uh, we're getting a little snow today, um, uh, but... Otherwise, pretty good. We're supposed to go back down into the the five degrees, you know, zero degrees Oof. at night in a couple of days. But then we're going to go back up in February. So kind we, of a normal winter. We are having our coldest January in the last 10 years here in Phoenix. And for us, that means it's been in the 30s and 40s. But that's cold when you're used to right. 110. So are you getting we rain? Have- no, no rain. Well, we moisture? had rain. We we had rain uh, last week, which was really good. A couple good soaking days, so good. it's helped a, a little bit. Uh, we have a special guest with us today. Uh, Elizabeth Bennett is coming to us from Alberta, Canada. That is really cool uh, to be able to do this and to have Elizabeth with us. And uh, she's going to be talking about smells like teen spirit. So, Elizabeth, uh, first of all, welcome to the Wonder Parenting Podcast, and tell us a bit about yourself. Well, good. Good day, Tim and Michael. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, Well, I've been an educator for over 35 years, and I've just transitioned from that into uh, my business of helping, being able to reach more folks. So in my education time, I was a teacher as well as a school, and I worked my way up through the ranks of administration to being a principal. So that was a delightful career, and I loved every moment of it. Okay, maybe Maybe one or two moments I didn't, but for the majority of time, it was about being um, helpful and finding solutions and uh, helping walk alongside people as they were going through whatever it was, whether it was good, bad, and anywhere in between. So that's kind of what I've been doing, you know, hanging out, doing that. And and I wasn't finished, even when I thought that I was finished with Mm. education, I wasn't finished having this conversation. Because yeah. now there is so much more. And I know that we'll have more discussion about this. So I'll share some other things yeah. later. Yeah. So people can't see this, obviously, because this is audio only. But right behind your head is a poster that says Courageous Conversations, which is the title of your newest book. Yes. And we're going to dive into that. Um, to, to get us started, you, you've been in the education business for a long, long time. And teenagers are teenagers. We know that. But the world has changed dramatically for our teenagers over these last 35 years, what are some of the things that you have 
scene that makes uh, being a teenager in 2023 perhaps different than it was uh, back in 1993? Well, even with that, I mean, I can go even further than that because, you know, even in in our collective uh, time frame as when we were kids, you know, that pendulum has swung way in the other direction. There used to be a time where, you know, children should be seen and not heard. Uh, you know, don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about. Money doesn't grow on trees. Uh, you know, those kinds of things. And and even in the classrooms, you know, moving along, you know, desks were straight and they were one behind the other. And the teacher mm. was the bearer of information and the students just sat there and took notes and did whatever. And we wrote on the chalkboards forever and ever. Uh, and then they were chalkboards, too. That's a difference. Um and, and with that, now we've discovered, and, and Michael can certainly, you know, attest to this, we've discovered more about the brain and mm. how kids really function, how we all function, where we know that, you know, some, some kids learn better auditorily. Some kids, you know, are visual. I'm very much a visual learner. Um, you know, some kids are kinesthetic awareness. So there's, there's all those kinds of things that uh, that we work with now in classrooms, and part of that is a challenge. And and as well, you know, special needs kids are mm-hmm. in the, the mix of a classroom now too. And diversity in terms of you know cultures, people coming from different places and spaces. So with all of that, we are now moving into a place where we have to determine what does a classroom really look like, and how can we help support kids in those kinds of ways. And for so long, kids weren't allowed to use their voice. Everybody has a voice, but they weren't allowed to use it. And so now we're seeing a difference in terms of asking kids what they think and how what's going on with them. And, and if something has happened, okay, so tell me what's happened so that we can, you know, make a shift, help you out, support you, get resources, do whatever it is that we need to do in order to make that work. Mm. So those are the differences I've seen. The, the continuation of that pendulum, though, is the space with parents and how they have changed as well. And now we're into, you know, we used to be in a place where it was almost authoritarian all the time. Mm-hmm. And now we've gone to this other place in the spectrum where, you know, they're buddy buddies and mm. that doesn't work either. So we need to be able to sort of balance that, come back to the middle to help support our kids. Now, that, that's very interesting because Michael's been talking about that quite a bit lately. Uh, so, Michael, just give us that recap again between the authoritative parent and the authoritarian parent. Yeah, it's beautiful what you said, Elizabeth. Uh, uh, we talk about, we tend to talk about the passive, the authoritative, and the authoritarian. And I think it would kind of fit with what you're talking about. The authoritarian being what you described where the child has no voice at all. It's all about, you know, these five rules that the parents have made and the kids follow and and it can even lean toward abuse sometimes. Um, and then at the other end is the passive, as you described, the pendulum swing way over to the passive where you called it buddy, buddy. Um, I think it would be in that category. And then in the middle, we're always looking for in the middle, what about being an authoritative parent? So uh, certainly you want to hear your kid's voice, but also, uh, you know, you are the authority. So there, if the child is doing stuff that isn't isn't working, isn't good, the authority says, oh, we got to redirect you. Uh, that's kind of what we mean by authoritative. 
uh, versus authoritarian. Does that make sense to you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I would I would imagine too, or, or, and we're going to dive into you know how to talk to our kids today, but. I would imagine it's really interesting now trying to figure out what curriculum should look like. Uh, you, you know, back in the day when we were in school, you had your four or five subjects and, you know, knowledge was fairly, uh, you know, you got this common set of things that you're all learning together. But now we have such access to information all over the place, some of it not good, uh, you know, or truthful. How, how have you seen the development of curriculum for our students change over these years? Well, I think it goes hand in hand with that that piece that I spoke of about uh, personal, not necessarily personalities, but way people think and learn and understand. And so that we've been able that the curriculum hasn't changed so much as the delivery of it. Mm. Um, and we're right now, you know, we're in some controversy in terms of you know the the leading government and what they think curriculum ought to be and, you know, going back <laughs> to the dark ages and so on. So it's not so much the curriculum piece as it, as it is. What do teachers do in classrooms that help for kids to be able to learn and grow and develop the skills and gifts and talents that they've been given? So there are much more opportunity. There are many more opportunities to be able to, let's say, for example, to um, for kids to demonstrate their learning through the arts or music or mm-hmm. dance or a poster or um, a poem, you know, it, it, that's the piece that's, that's wonderful in the development of what we can do to help assist kids. So uh, we're, we're going to come back. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back and dive into the topic of having conversations uh, with our kids. So you're listening to the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Uh, Tim Wright, along with Dr. Michael Green, and our special guest, Elizabeth Bennett, will be back right after this. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. So, Elizabeth, you have written this book called Courageous Conversations, and I'm guessing there's a reason why you wrote this book. So what was what was it that inspired you to write a book about how to have conversations with our kids? You know what? I really, really love teenagers. I think that I love their piss and vinegar and their raging hormones <laughs> and their defiance and especially the eye-rolling piece. Like, that's my fave. Um, and, and what I saw with all of that is that there's a disconnect with kids and their parents. So Mm. as a, as an administrator, and even as a teacher, I would have kids come and see me and they would say things like, you know, I'm not getting along with my parents. They don't listen to me. They don't understand me. All we do is yell and scream. 
or I just run away into my room and hide in my cell phone or games or so on. And then I would have parents coming in saying similar kinds of things. I don't know how to engage with my kids. I don't know what to say to them. I seem like, you know, all we do is yell and scream. And I thought, wow. <clears throat> and and this book is a long time in the making. This is about a 25-year project mm. that actually started off with uh, issues that, that, ha- that I had a concern with at school in terms of bullying. Mm. And I was originally going to make the book uh, about uh, the whole book was going to be about, okay, how can we break through, you know, this controversy? How can we break through what's going on? How can we help kids and how can we help families? And I wanted it to be, you know, I wanted to be the silver bullet. I wanted to be the person that was going to have the magic answer for all of this. And then as I continued along my journey and with conversations with kids and parents, I found that it really needed to be about community. It needed to be about communication. It needed to be about relationship. And so then I wrote this book called Courageous Conversations, a guide for parents to understand and connect with their kids. Mm. So one of the things that's fascinating to me is uh, you have, uh, as a part of what you do, both in your book and in your your seminars, um, Teen Talk, what your kids are desperate to discuss. I would love to know, because uh, I my, my my first granddaughter just turned 13. I want to know what she's desperate to discuss. So well, what are some of the things that come to mind when you, when you talk about that? I mean, bullying is rampant. It really is. Okay. Social isolation is on the increase. You know, recent statistics talking about in North America, not even just in Canada, but in North America, suicide is the second cause of death of teens. That's mm. frightening. And it's something that we shouldn't even have on our radar. But those are the kinds of things that are happening. You know, kids are are desperate to have conversations about those things, as well as, you know, when they're trying to figure out what their gender is or what their lifestyle is or, you know, who their their interests are. Those are, are things that they really want to be chatting with their parents about, but sometimes they don't know how. And depending on what's going on in that environment in their home, do they have the opportunity to have that conversation? Mm-hmm. And though, so those are some of the, the really big issues that are happening. Do you do you find that um, because kids have more information, more access, that uh, some of these conversations, for example, confusion over gender identity, so on, has that become a bigger issue in the last several years because we're talking about it more and or because there's more access to information about those issues? Oh, yes. It's like it's almost like Pandora's box has been opened and now we get to talk about everything. And I think the biggest piece about that is that we need to be able to have those conversations with families together so that parents understand where their kids are coming from. Like, you know, what brought this up? What what do you feel about it? And so on. And and I'm sure that, you know, Michael can help in this particular mm-hmm. conversation in, in terms of saying, OK, you know, I, I don't know everything as a parent. I don't know all of this. So let's do this together. Let's, you know, go on the Internet. And I know it's, you know, <laughs> there are places and spaces that, you know, don't have adequate or um, 
really good information, but at mm-hmm. least if there's a conversation about can we do this together, can we or or go to a physician or go to you know a service uh, agency that can help support with information so that there's a broader space, different perspectives to look at and having that kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the other issue that you raised, and I, I know that there are more, and uh, both of you can speak to this. Uh, you experienced bullying in your life, yes, uh, Elizabeth, and I know Michael did as well. So, um, Michael, let's start with you because you've talked about this before. But, but talk a little bit of, again uh, about how old you were and and um, what was helpful for you and what was not helpful for you in dealing with it. Yeah, well, I was uh, part pro- partly because of my own problematic personality, and partly because of my trauma response to you know child abuse and sexual abuse and all of that. I I was a hard kid, and so I was bullied on and off throughout childhood. Um, so, uh, I mean, one was which I've written about. I'm writing my memoir. One was in Laramie, Wyoming, just because I was Jewish. So you know, they would they four guys took me behind the the school, and they got pliers, and they pulled on my nose, you know, to say, will the Jew nose grow, you know, that kind of stuff. So that that's back in that era. Um, but also I was such a smart ass <laughs> that <laughs> kids would really pick on me. And I remember once, so then I were in Hawaii for that. We moved around a lot now when I was a kid, of course, in Hawaii, I was doing things that got me bullied. And, um, uh, and I finally had to get one of the big Samoan guys uh, to be like, my protector. And I said, I'll do your homework if you'll help me out against these bullies. And so he and his crew helped me out against these bullies. You know, I mean, I was a kid who had to adapt and, and part of it was just me. I, I got bullied. Uh, and part of it was that they were bullying, right? Cause there's always in the bullying, there's all sorts of things going on right at once. Um, and ultimately what I had to do uh, was uh, it was hard to talk to my parents about it because they and I were often at war. So I had to um, seek out, you know, peers that became my own crew so that we could support each other. And we were often the misfits. <laughs> you know, we were often the the nerdy guys or the, you know, that didn't fit somewhere. Um, but I, I got I had chess. I had debate. I had these crews. Um, especially as a teen, where we could support each other and and then kind of move through the bullying. Mm. Uh, it, it's uh, interesting to note, uh, Michael, that uh, as we're recording this and you tell your story about being bullied because you're Jewish, that it is National Holocaust Remembrance Day uh, here and in all around the world today as we're recording that. Wow. So your story is extremely poignant. Uh, Elizabeth, talk a little bit about the experience that you had um, bullying, whatever you want to talk about from that, and and what was helpful and not helpful for you as you were trying to deal with that? Well, I, you know, some of it was about bullying and some of it was about my own household. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my father was an alcoholic, so there was lots mm-hmm. of uh, abuse in the house. Um, you know, I was sexually abused by a neighbor. Uh, and mm-hmm. I couldn't talk about any of that because right. I knew that, you know, certainly if I talked about the neighbor thing, you know, my father would be... All right, so she just she's frozen on us for just a bit. We'll we'll get her back like here. We'll let, okay, Elizabeth, I'm going to interrupt. You froze on us a little bit, so uh, you you were talking about your neighbor uh, that you couldn't say anything about it. So yeah. pick it up from there. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't I couldn't say anything to my parents about it because my mother would worry herself to death, and my father would be ballistic and 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 at a young tender age, 
you know, you make those stories massive. So you don't know what to do with it. So I held on to those things for a long time. But what I did do was there must have been something in my brain that said, you know what, I'm going to ignore this. I'm going to keep this back here and I'm going to go help other people. And I'm going to do things. So, you know, I did Christmas baskets and we did stuff for our church. And, you know, I got involved with with some sports and, you know, just did things so that I could avoid that piece of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that so so in that I I want I want kids to be able to have someone that they're going Mm -hmm. to be able to speak to so that they don't have to carry that heavy burden all by themselves. Yeah, so, that's so we, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Michael. You, you well, pick up I, on that. I was just going to say that's so important. That point you just made because um, because when we look at research on trauma response, when I do trainings in schools on trauma, you know, the people do ask, "What's the silver bullet? Mm-hmm. Like, how how are you? How do we heal this kid who's been traumatized, right, and bullied?" And and as you said before, there's no silver bullet to anything, but we know that relationship is is the key. Forming a number of relationships that over a period of, you know, years that help the child who's been bullied or traumatized to, to compartmentalize the trauma, to process the trauma, to redirect toward service and purpose and islands of competence and, and thus to be able to move forward and relationships are key. And, uh, when I, when I was a kid there, every once in a while, there was a teacher. And then when I was 16, there was a counselor who a mental health counselor who formed relationships with me that um, didn't override my relationship with my parents. I still had a relationship with them, but because that was such a problematic household, I attached, of course, to these people. Uh, they showed interest in me. They listened to me. They also challenged me. They said, Hey, you're getting bullied because you're a smart ass, you know? And then I had to reconsider that. Um, uh, but they heard me and gradually over a period of years, I was able to heal it. And I think I'm sensing in what you're saying that also that you you are into that the relationships part of that absolutely yeah well because i think that's key to being able to connect because we're we're basically made to have connection we're made to be in community we this is not an island all unto ourselves and so that's the space so when i speak with teachers that's what i tell them i mean they are gifts from god Mm-hmm. because they know to, they can have those relationships. We just need to also encourage them to have more um, gifts in, or strategies in order to, be ha- to have some of those more courageous conversations to find out really what's going on. So I challenge them too when I speak with teachers and I say, you know, I'd like you to spend two minutes in this week with five kids and mm-hmm. just ask them something about something that's going on that's outside of school so that you can that helps you to make those kinds of connections mm-hmm. because those were saving grace for me were certainly one or two teachers and in fact you know i i still have a relationship with one of those teachers to this day wow. so you know that's that's been that really was i think a a saving grace for me wow well, you are listening to the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting with uh, Dr. Michael Green. I'm Tim Wright, and our special guest is Elizabeth Bennett. And uh, after the break, I'm going to ask her how we can have conversations with our kids that won't end in a fight. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So we're here with Elizabeth Bennett. She is coming to us all the way from Alberta, Canada. And as we're recording, she says a nice big storm is rolling in. So uh, we're glad yeah. that we're so far so good. We still got her with us. Elizabeth, uh, what are some what are ways to have conversations with our kids uh, that won't end in a fight? And, and maybe to, uh, to back up, what is it about our conversations with kids that often can lead to fights or disagreements or misunderstandings? You know what? We're so busy yelling at each other, we can't hear. Mm. And we're not listening. And we've just, we're stuck in our point. And so that's, and we just talk higher or louder or bigger than the other person to try and make our point rather than just stopping for a moment and maybe listening. You might be actually saying similar kinds of things, but it's mm. because we need to be heard. And we want to be understood. And that's part of what ends up being missing in that regard. So one of the things is about, you know, parents need to be a little bit more vulnerable. And they need mm-hmm. to be able to, to under, try and understand their kids. So when they're having conversation, and this is part of my five strategies of dedicated listening, is to really understand without judgment. Because we have children who are in that world and they're seeing the world from a different perspective or maybe many different perspectives than we are right at this moment. And so it's valuable and it's, it gives them value in terms of having an opinion, you know, having a a perspective and being able to, to be listened to in that perspective. So that's Mm -hmm. one of the things is to really, And that's that's why I chose the title Courageous Conversations, because we have to step out of our own comfort zone to be able to have those conversations. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I can uh, even though I'm 65, I can still remember being a teenager um, and I was a whole lot smarter than my parents when I was a teenager. <laughs> um, and um, as a, an adult, I discovered actually I'm, I'm a lot smarter than my teenage kids. But both of those attitudes aren't particularly helpful, are they? No. (laughs) You got to keep that part to yourself because then you can show those ace cards later, right? (laughs) Another another piece of of having conversation is really having intentional time. So, Mm. you know, as as wonderful as this tool is, it can be a real pain. She's she's holding up a phone, by the way. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we need to be able to take some time to put them away, to have a conversation with our kids and say, we need some cell-free time, video-free time, TV, whatever, whatever the source of attraction is, we need to be able to shut that off and then 
be able to have that time that's really intentional. So you mm-hmm. put it on your calendar. You make it a point of saying, I'm not doing anything else at this time other than being with my kid. And that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean sitting eye to eye across the table. In fact, with some families that I've worked with, one of their suggestions to me was, you know what? I have the best conversations with my kid when we're in the car. Mm-hmm. Because the car is, or the van, or whatever whatever mode of transportation it is, it's a space of uh, obviously a container that's, you know, safe. And at the same time, that space, it, that private space or that personal bubble space is close enough and far enough away that there's a, a, a place of comfort. And the whole idea that you don't have to look somebody straight in the eye because we all know what, you know, there are different things and different um different research about, you know, looking people straight in the eye. Mm. So you have that, you know, kids can pull up their hoodies. They can, you know, sort of be safe in their, in their cone or whatever space, but still be able to have conversation. And it seems to work. And the boundary is there, obviously. But so that gives them a little bit more freedom. Yeah. So Elizabeth, I Mm -hmm. want to pause on that for a moment. That is really insightful because I do think um, we often hear uh, people who are, you know, experts in helping parents parent their kids. You need to really zero on on your kids, eye to eye contact, really focus on them. Uh, it's interesting to hear you suggest that maybe, you know, and I think, Mike, I'm going to come to you on this. Hmm. That sounds like a really good strategy, especially for boys. Not Not that girls can't use this strategy, but boys seem to be far more reticent to talk to begin with. We're not as good verbally. We like to sort of cover up. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear mm-hmm. your response to that. Yeah, it's, and you, uh, Elizabeth, you were referring to that research. The It's it's some of its neurochemistry. Uh, mm-hmm. When eye to eye, especially when a person, and especially a boy, has some kind of stress, which they kind of want to talk about, let's say. Um, but if we look them in the eye when they're experiencing stress, that releases testosterone and other chemicals that are actually going to shut down their verbal emotive ability. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so I totally agree with you. Um, uh, we don't want to be forcing eye contact when someone is under stress. We want to try other strategies like this is, of course, called shoulder to shoulder. When you're in the car, uh, it's shoulder to shoulder. So I'm the driver driving and my, let's say my teenager is sitting to my right in the passenger seat. That's shoulder to shoulder. And that's a that's a kind of contact that we find especially effective with boys, uh, but it, it can be used with any anyone. And it allows for the child to do all of what you just described. It allows them to retain some self because they're not forced into eye contact. They can feel safer. Um, the shoulder to shoulder, um, even in the car, because the car is moving, gets some cerebellum involvement for the guys, um, some of the doing involvement at the base of the brain that sends signaling up. And that signaling doesn't doesn't have to be shut down by eye to eye contact or the sense that they're being forced into emotive uh, and verbal emotive, which their brains are not going to be as quick at anyway. And they're going to feel like failures anyway. So then the whole, that whole spiral is taken care of by shoulder to shoulder contact. So very wise what you're saying. Well, and I, and I found it, I found it the same even when I was at school. So, you Mm. know, if I had like, chatting with a couple of guys that I could think of, right? Because food is my favorite topic, is my favorite thing. And so, you know, we'd sit on the floor someplace, even 
you know, I, it didn't have to be in my office. We'd sit on the floor. We'd, we'd eat a yogurt or cheese or whatever happened to be in our, you know, in our canteen at that moment in time. And I'd be sitting beside them or I'd be sitting and just, you know, so they're looking at their feet or they're, you know, they've got their knees up around their chest or whatever. That didn't matter to me. It was the connection that I was more interested in. Mm-hmm. And I think we end up having that um, that fight with kids and, and their parents because, you know, I'm, I'm talking to you. You need to be looking at me. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. you don't. Mm-hmm. What you need to be doing is listening to what they're saying so that you can understand what's going on. And really then being able to expand on, okay, so tell me a little bit more about that. What's happening that that you're feeling this way, right? And and then that helps to reduce the the heightened anxiety or the heightened, you know, the parent wants to solve the problem right away. It reduces that kind of uh, stress and then becomes much more of a flowing conversation. Elizabeth, this has been so very, very helpful. And uh, you've given us just enough. So now we hopefully parents are going to want to buy this book. And uh, I will put a link to it on our uh, Wonder of Parenting site. Um, But the book is called Courageous Conversations. And it's Elizabeth Bennett. And Elizabeth, do you have a website as well that people can connect with you? I do. Um, It's www.elizabethbennettgroup.com. So it's Elizabeth Bennett, as in B-E-N-N-E-T-T, ElizabethBennettGroup.com. And again, the book is called Courageous Conversations. Is it available, uh, you know, places like Amazon and so on? You bet. All right. Very, very good. Well, Elizabeth, it has been an honor to have you with us and uh, some really good insights to get people started. And uh, we encourage you to encourage our our listeners to pick up the book. Uh, So thank you for joining us all the way from Canada. And uh, Michael, thank you as always. Thank you, Tim. And thank you, Elizabeth. You're awesome. Thank you both. It was a wonderful conversation today. Good. Thank you, Elizabeth. And thank you to all of our listeners. And we hope that you have a good parenting day. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.